But this time we turn to the reading of God's Word, James chapter 1, beginning at verse 2. Let us now hear God's Word. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And verse 12 and following, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. As for the reading of God's holy word, let's ask his blessing in a time of prayer. O oh, Father in heaven, we pray for your grace to be upon us to not only hear your word, but to respond in faith to believe your word and to find comfort and consolation from your word and by your spirit. Be with us now, O Lord. Grant us ears to hear and eyes to see what the Spirit is teaching the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Congregation of Christ, there was a chapel that I remember when I was attending Moody Bible Institute back in 2000, 2001. It was a chapel that always stuck out in my mind, and it was a chapel that was one that cut to the heart, left the student body in awe of God's grace. It was a chapel led by a man named Pastor Scott Willis. And he spoke to the whole student body. In 1994, you may remember this, if you're old enough. In 1994, the Willis family was driving on I-94 between Chicago and uh, Milwaukee. And a piece of metal was on the road, a large piece of metal. And the minivan ran over it, and the metal punctured the gas tank, causing an explosion that went through the bottom of the back seat, the floor, and five little children perished. The parents were in their front seats trying to save their children. Pastor Scott Willis and his wife survived along with another children, but five children died in the blaze. Can you imagine the grief? Can you imagine? I can't really. I really can't. 
How does a family endure such trial and affliction? Such deep, deep grief. What was striking about the chapel was that Pastor Willis, Scott Willis, gave testimony of God's goodness and mercy to his family. How is that even possible? Well, apart from Jesus, it's not possible. Apart from the hope that we have in Christ, it's not possible. In one of our confessions of faith, the Belgian Confession, Article 1 speaks to the attributes and nature of God. We believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that God is, and it lists many attributes of God. And at the end of it, it says that we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that God is good. God is good and the overflowing source of all good. So how can Pastor Willis and his wife confess that? What needs to happen in his and her heart to be able to confess that? What needs to happen to their heart and their mind to be able to confess that God is good and He is the overflowing source of all good when something so tragic happened in their life. He gave testimony to endurance. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Blessed is the man. We're going to talk this morning, we're going to hear a sermon on God is the overflowing source of all good. Even when you don't see it in the midst of your trial and affliction. Because many things are happening in your heart and mind when you are being afflicted, when you are going through trials. You are being challenged and, and tested and Satan's tempting. There are many things happening in a trial. But God's word says, blessed is the man, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. God is the overflowing source of all good because God rewards those who love him. First point, God rewards those who love him. Blessed is the man who endures trials. He passes the test. To be blessed is to know God's benefits, to have God's grace and, and benefits given unto you, or I like the word bestowed unto you, the Christian. conferred upon the believer in the trial. God blesses the man whose faith is tested and tried like gold in a fiery furnace of afflictions. 
and he stands firm in his Lord and in his God. He stands firm in King Jesus, who is Lord of all. And he will make all things right by his righteousness. What does God reward the blessed man with? He rewards the blessed man with the crown of righteousness. We often try to avoid the topic of rewards, especially in our circles. Especially in Reformed churches. We don't like to talk about rewards. Why not? Why not? Well, I think we don't talk about rewards because we don't want to give the impression that by our works on earth, by our merits, that we earn rewards in heaven. But rewards are given to God's people when we understand rewards rightly. Jesus says, Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil and on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets, so they do unto you. In Belgian Confession, Article 24, part of the article says, We do not wish to deny that God rewards good works, but it is by His grace that He crowns His gifts. In other words, in other words, Christian, everything done in the name of Jesus Christ is done because of God's gift bestowed upon us to be able to endure the trial and affliction. Everything done in the name of Christ, including enduring and persevering, is a gift of God because God is the one who empowers us. God is the one who gives us grace to press on. God is the one who is with us always, even to the end of the age. And it is God who rewards His people with the crown of life which was merited for us by Jesus. Are you following me? So the good that we do was even merited for us by our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works. We can see, we'll get to this later, but we can see already the connection with verse 17. Every good, and, every good gift and every perfect, perfect gift is from above. Even here in the trial, God's good and perfect gift is bestowed upon the Christian. In the Old Testament, God rewarded His people for righteousness. But their righteousness was not a righteousness of their own. It was a gift from God through faith in Yahweh. Faith in the Messiah to come as they looked forward. Think about what John the Baptist says. Write this verse down. John chapter 3, verse 27. John the Baptist says, A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. 
I, you can't have anything clearer than that. So the blessed man, the happy man who knows the grace of God bestowed upon him has received that blessing, that grace from above. Rewarding the blessed man with the crown of life. This isn't, there are a couple words for crown. This isn't the diadem, the royal crown that King Jesus wears. This is a wreath. This is a flowery crown. Maybe you've seen pictures of it in your Sunday school class. It was a crown that they used for athletic games. If a runner won a race, they would give him a crown, something that they would use in the Greek games or the Olympics. And the crown of life is symbolic of eternal, the eternal blessed state of eternal life, the eternal blessed state of joy and gladness. And we enter into eternal life upon conversion as John writes in his gospel. Do you know, Christian, that you have entered eternal life even now? You know the crown of life even now. Because notice what he, James says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, whatever trial he endured and has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. It's already not yet. Because even now, under our trials, when we persevere and stand the test, we know we get a glimpse of eternal life and the blessed state of joy and gladness and life in Christ. We enter into life at the moment of conversion, and it will be more fully known than life to come. This is a gift of God. If you're taking notes, Revelation chapter 2, verses 9 to 11 I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested. And for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Will not be hurt by hell because he has known the blessed state of eternal life and joy and gladness in Christ. God rewards his children. He rewards his children the crown of life, that blessed state of eternal life and joy, and gladness. Who does God reward? Blessed is the man, the one who endures. But notice what he says at the end of verse 12. Which God has promised to those who love him. So the blessed man is the one who loves the Lord. He promises to reward those who love him. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. Just the next letter over to the right, beginning at verse 6.
The Apostle Peter writes, chapter 1, beginning at verse 6, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And we know when we compare Scripture with Scripture that those who love Jesus, those who love the Lord, have been first loved by Him. So those who, the blessed man who loves the Lord and receives the reward of the Lord has first been loved by his God and Lord. He has first been loved by Jesus Christ who suffered a humiliating death. He was beaten, flogged, and taunted by Roman soldiers. They mocked him, placing a crown of thorns upon his head so that you and I receive the crown of life. He received the crown of curse upon his head so that we receive the crown of eternal life and joy. Because of his humiliation, we know life eternal. He purchased for us this crown. He rewarded or earned for us the reward of the crown of life. And so run the race. Christians aren't called to be passive but active. We run a race that's already been won by Jesus. We run the race with the eyes of faith set on the prize. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body. Literally, I pummel my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. As an NFL team runs the race, Plays to win the Lombardi Trophy or as an NHL team plays to win the Stanley Cup. The Christian runs to win the crown of life, which already has been won for us in Jesus. We run the race of faith because we love Jesus, have been called by Jesus, and dwelt with the Spirit to receive not an imperishable crown or trophy, And you're not competing against anyone else. You're, you are a child of God living for Him. Run the race. Run the race. God rewards those who love Him. God is the overflowing source of all good. Well, He is the overflowing source of all good. He tempts no one, He is good. <laughs> He tempts no one. 
In verses 12 to 15, he uses one Greek word eight times. And this word can mean either trials or temptations. Trials or temptations. For example, in verse 12, blesses the man who remains steadfast under trial. But in verse 13, he says, let the one... Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. Trial and tempted are the same word. But it's understood by way of context, just like we have English words that can mean different things, depending on the context. For, the word, for the example, the word sanction can mean approved or not approved, depending on the context. And so here... He's talking about trials, but now in verse 13, he's talking about temptation or being tempted. And he gives a very serious warning. Look with me in your Bible. Verse 13, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire, then desire when it is when it has uh, fully grown, let me start over, verse 14, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire, then desire when it has conceived gives birth to sin, and when sin is fully grown, it, gives, it brings forth death. He warns the reader and us that God must not be attributed with evil or temptation because it goes against his character and nature. Boys and girls, to tempt or temptation is to entice someone to sin, to lure someone to sin. And the language that, that is being used here by James is fishing and hunting language. A bait and hook. Under extreme pressures, spiritually, Physically, when you are under severe trials, there is a great danger to attribute to God evil and sin. Why, God, are you causing me to feel this way? Or why are you causing this in my life? When we face trials, God tests the genuineness of our faith and disciplines us as children because he loves us. But God does not tempt us. He does not entice us or lure us into evil. Going back to the story in the beginning, how'd that piece of metal get in the road? Some of you remember the pay-to-play scheme. And many people went to prison in Illinois because those who were unqualified to receive a CDL, a commercial driver's license, paid for their CDL. And it was a government thing, a, a shady operation, and much evil was done. And because an unqualified person didn't tie down his load, a family was greatly harmed. And many went to prison for it. That's a great evil that was caused by man. (laughs) 
God is not the cause of evil. He is the overflowing source of all good. And when tragedy strikes our home life, our family life, God does not delight in the trial and tragedy. He's not the author of evil and sin that enters into our lives or families. God tempts no one because he is the overflowing source of all good. And so we need to be careful. We need to be careful when, God, when we say that God ordains all things that come to pass. And surely he does. But he is not to be accused of being the author of evil. Herein lies a great mystery of the Christian faith. Who is the tempter? Who is the deceiver? Who is the liar? Satan, the devil, is called the tempter. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 5. He is the tempter, but he himself doesn't make us sin. Because what does James say? What does James say? You and I are responsible for how we respond to temptation. Temptation itself is not falling into sin. It's when we give in to the temptation, when we bite that hook like a fish that sees a nice tasty lure and is enticed by it and bites into it and you snag it. That's where our sinful desire and nature is like. We have this sin. Oh, it looks delicious. It looks good. It looks, it looks really good. That's the temptation just hanging out for you. This, this looks really good. And Satan's like, don't you want this? Don't you want this tasty, good gift lying to you? Our sinful desire and heart says, Oh, I want it. I need it. And then the sinful desire says, I'm going to get it. Know what James says here at verse 14, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. You and I, you and I, can only have control about what we respond to, how we respond to trials and afflictions. When something tragic happens in our life, how will I respond when a great trial comes that maybe even tempts me to sin and deny God? Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart, take my seal it. Take my heart and seal it for thy courts above. I can't control what other people do to me. But how will I respond? Why allow the simple nature? To take on this bait and hook. Because sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. I want, if you have a Bible and you like to underline, underline brings forth. Brings forth. Sin brings forth death. Congregation, to be tempted is not to sin. Rather, it's temptation that entices our sinful desire to want 
sin and evil because it's attractive to us and to our nature. And when our desire gives in to temptation, it gives birth to sin, and sin brings forth nothing good. Sin brings forth enmity with God, a cursed life, death. In Homer's Odyssey, some of you may have read it in school, Zeus complains and and he says this, It's incredible how easily human beings blame the gods and believe us to be the source of their troubles when it is their own wickedness and stupidity that brings upon them sorrows more severe than any which destiny would assign. Homer was on something there. Even in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul warns the Corinthians of his fathers in the wilderness who were led astray by their evil desires. Led astray by their evil desires and they perish in the desert. And then Paul says, now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overcome you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. When you are enticed to sin by the tempter, when your sinful nature desires, Sin, God, who is the overflowing source of all good, promises to provide the way of escape. And how does he give you the way of escape? By his spirit and word. He gives us his word to meditate upon, to reflect upon. He gives us a spirit to apply that word to our hearts. He grants us a spirit to put to death the old nature and to put on the new man in Christ. God gave us a new heart that seeks after him. He is not the deceiver. He is not the tempter. God is good and the giver of all things good. And that's why James says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers and sisters. Don't be deceived by this falsehood that God tempts. No, He's the giver of good gifts to His children. Thirdly, Verses 17 and 18. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. God does not tempt, rather, he gives good gifts because he is the Father of lights, the originator of the heavenly lights, the creator God, the maker of heaven and earth. And he is Father. And he does not change in his character. He does not change in his nature. His goodness is not fickle. His goodness is constant. He does not change like the shadows change when the earth revolves around the sun. He is constant. He is constant. And now look at verse 18. I told you to underline verse eight, uh, Verse 15 brings forth death. 
Now look with me at verse 18. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. Underline brought us forth. Sin brings forth death. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. But of God's own will, notice, by our own desire, we sin. But by God's own will, He brings us forth, He brings forth, or brought forth, life. You see what James is doing here? Which is common in wisdom literature. Wisdom literature shows the folly of sin and the way of sin is death. But the blessing of wisdom and the blessing of truth is life. And God brought us forth from sin and death to life. And so what we're seeing here is that God brought us forth by his own will by the word of the truth, by the word of the gospel of Jesus Christ, to new birth. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. The old is gone, the new is come. You are a new creature in Christ. James tells the reader, telling us that Jesus is truly the good Gift, the perfect gift of God to broken sinners like us. He gave us many good gifts, many perfect gifts. And some of those gifts are listed here, enumerated here in just this, these few verses. But he's given us the indescribable gift of the Lord Jesus Christ, who paid the penalty of our sins so that we die to sin and live to righteousness. James tells the reader that God brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. We are the first of God's harvest, the Christian, Christian converts of God's harvest, of all the creatures, visible and invisible. We are, Christians are, children of God, born of the Spirit. And in Him, we have the way that leads to life. So we see the connection here from the crown of life to now how He concludes this section of verse 18. There's a bookends going on here, I believe. James' letter is wisdom to the Christian pilgrim. Faith in Christ is the wisdom of God and the way to eternal life. It is the way, the race that we run in this life. And the crown of life has been merited for us, earned for us by Jesus. Pastor Willis received many invitations to speak about his experience. And one time he said this to a newspaper, he, wrote, he said this, and I quote, I'll put this as strongly as I can. Those little children died that we might be able to further the cause of Christ by giving out the gospel to people who may never have heard the gospel 
or had an opportunity to hear it. I'm willing to accept God's will on that, said Pastor Willis. I'm willing to accept God's will on that. Are you willing to accept God's will in your life? Whatever hard providence enters your life, are you willing to accept God's will for your life? And are you willing to give glory to Christ? To point to Christ? To say it's all about Christ? The only reason why I'm standing on my own two feet is because of Christ. The only way my heart is right with God is because of Christ. The only way I'm able to endure this trial is because of Christ. The only way I'm blessed is because of Christ. Christ is my all in all. You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my all in all. Is Christ your all in all? Because He indeed is that good and perfect gift from above that indescribable gift that enables you and empowers you to walk in Him and to walk as citizens of His glorious kingdom on this side of glory. And there awaits a day when He will receive you, Christian, and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of my happiness, of my presence. You long for that day? You long for that day? Meanwhile, let us live our lives confessing our faith in Christ and living our faith by the strength of His Spirit and Word and by His grace. Amen. Let's pray. O Father in heaven, we bow our head and our hearts before You thankful that Christ is our all in all, that through Him we indeed are blessed. Through Him and faith in His name, we are enabled to persevere and endure the race set before us. And so help us to run. Help us to run the race boldly and in confidence that Jesus Christ is Christus Victor. He is the victor over sin, death, and hell. And in Him we have the victory. O Father, may such blessing, may such grace, may such wonderful gifts that You have bestowed upon us cause us to respond with great gratitude in our hearts and great joy in our hearts for the salvation that you have provided for us in him. In Jesus' name.